Hello, listeners. My name is Mark. If you have been enjoying the Listener Lore episodes, please come over to my separate podcast feed, Lorehammer Listener Lore. On this daily podcast channel, I will be reading one story a day and sharing your creative works with others and giving my feedback at the end. So, if you like Grimdark 40k short stories, come join me at Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. To Lorehammer, my name is Eric. Eric, my man, I'm Mark. Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, today we're going to do a listener lore. It's Listen. been a minute. Yeah, and the, the emails keep coming and we keep ignoring them. But, yeah, uh, we're only, you know, two years backlogged. Yeah, so, so it's not that big a deal. We're going to get to you eventually. Um, before we do actually get into the episode itself, though, uh, we do want to share a little bit of news just in case you haven't heard. Yeah. Um, Lorehammer recently uh, signed a partnership with Spotify, and as of October 21st, we will be exclusively available on their platform. Uh, but it is everything, you know, all of our old feed, yeah. all our old episodes, all our new ones. Uh, you will be able to find them on Spotify, but only Spotify. Yeah. So your task now for the next three weeks is you got to download one Spotify app, which is free. Yeah. It's only two clicks on the touchpad, so it's pretty easy. Even I managed to do it. Which so, is a which is a feat. It's a feat. So download the Spotify app, follow Lorehammer on there, and uh, you can stay up to date with everything that we're doing. But uh, yeah, we're we're excited for everything that Spotify has to offer us, and we're excited yeah. to take uh, Lorehammer to the next level. So absolutely, hope you guys come join us. Like we said, October twenty first, you we will only be on Spotify. So if you Think, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you what can't, happened to all of us? Um, you know, we're not going to field your email yeah. saying that you know, hey, look, I can't find you on my thing. This is your warning, one and only. One and only, I guess. Okay, that's right. <laughs> the man has spoken. Um, but that being said, let's actually get into our episode today. And joining us, we have actually someone Ooh. very special. Yeah, I, I used to listen to his podcast all the time, and now I'm talking to the guy. So we got <laughs> with us. We got Paul Murphy from Forge the Narrative. Hey guys, welcome, or thanks for having me. <laughs> See, he's a podcast, yeah. he's trying to welcome us. But, you know uh, exactly how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were on your show a couple months ago, and uh, we decided to reach out and Now it's your ours. turn to be on our show. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it, it was a fun time then, and, so, and I'm having fun right now. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what, I've always said, Mark is nothing but a fun time. So. <laughs> You're just lying to people now. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, so, Paul, this is your first time on uh, not only our show, but also on this special type of episodes where people mail in their story that they've created by their either through their armies or just writing short stories in the 40K universe itself. We read them unedited. So oh, yes. There's, yeah. There can be some fun little run-on oh, sentences. Yeah. It, it's almost like people have never heard of spell check before. It blows my mind. <laughs> Look, they're typing on their phone. I get it. Yeah, it's 3 a.m. You, you had a, a flash of inspiration from the emperor himself. You have no choice. You just okay. have to power through. That's what editors are for. 
<laughs> yeah, we're just the ideas and creative people. Uh. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's uh, actually get right into it. So I will read the very first one. Yeah, show us how to read so then me and Paul can figure it out after that. Yeah, you have all of however long it takes me to do this <laughs> to figure it out. So. Uh, <laughs> We'll read it and then we'll kind of go through it. We can pick out some of our favorite things and some of our things that we think that um, can be, you know, changed. Or expanded upon. Like, right, uh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you get that little bit of a nugget. And I, I just crave more of that nugget, you know? So, Absolutely. Let's get to it. So the first story we're going to read today is from the author uh, Redeemable Grace is their name. Legal name. Of course. Yeah, yeah. On the birth certificate. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and it's titled The Twins of Forge World Jupiter. In the dark millennia since the Horus heresy, the Imperium has suffered and struggled to survive. In these dark times, the great fleets of the Imperium sail forth to fight against the endless darkness. Mighty warships built with hate, forged with hate forged steel and zealous faith make for vessels worthy of the Imperial Navy. As much centers of worship as they are grand engines of battle, these ships bring the Emperor's wrath to his hated foes. Loader gangs made of criminals and scum of the Imperium load great macro cannons to the cadences of war hymns, while tech priests recite the holy canticles of aiming, firing, and loading. Platoons of marines and occasionally guardsmen, or even rarely Astartes, stand by to guard against borders and take the fight to the enemy's damned hulls. Following the battles of the Horus Heresy and subsequent conflicts, the Imperial Navy had need for more firepower, and the Astartes of the Second Founding needed more ships to send them to many campaigns. Amassing resources in the solar sector to further fortify Holy Terror's great defenses and build more ships to strike back against the horrors of the galaxy, the Navy has been preparing to rebuild its once vast ranks. At the dawn of the 33rd millennium, two ships of great size and power were commissioned. One a Retribution-class battleship meant for an independent response fleet, and the other, a Mark I battle barge for his holy Astartes. While Mars, while Mars, for the time, might not have been trustworthy, following the Civil War on Mars, there were still many yards to choose from. And for many years, the politics of shipyard commissions, contract betting, tests of faith and loyalty, and power grabs, it was eventually decided that the naval yards of Jupiter would serve as the birthplace of these titanic warships. And a birthplace it was indeed. Local tech priests and magi labored over the creation of these ships. Side by side, they shared docks. Starting as skeletal frames, the Admech priests poured their furnaces and processors into them. With a sort of parental affection, Archmagos Lyra Photorus watched over hundreds of years as these colossi grew from framework to true ship hulls. She listened to their developing machine spirits, imparting an almost maternal image upon them. But they were vast, young but enormous. With their massive size came massive spirits for their many countless functions, and Lyra soon learned that she could not commune long lest she be lost forever among their code. After many laborious centuries, the final touches were made, and the ships were ready to depart. And just in time, too. Strange warp storms were ravaging the sector. Horrors of the warp spilled forth and engaged with the vast defenses of the heart of the Imperium. Indeed, the eye of Jupiter itself became one such storm. Tendrils of cosmic nightmares surging out and reaching for the shipyards, hoping to claim as many prizes as it could. And on the turn of the year, from 830 M33 to 831 M33, 
the venerable souls of the dead came forth to fight back across the entire segmentum. Just as the corrupting tendrils reached the assembled ships, the light of those fallen for the empire shone forth, vanishing the Empyrean terrors. Many who were there claimed to witness the souls of two warrior sisters standing side by side next to the battleships at the dock. Fighting nightmares made manifest with ferocity never before seen in the world's great history. Since then, the Admech themselves addressed the ships as the twins. Holy sisters of fury meant to clean the stars in the Omnissiah's name. When their crews were assigned and their magazines filled, the priests of Jupiter gathered to celebrate the birth of these giants. The battle barge was assigned to the Shadow Wolves. The Sons of Dorm would be best suited to protecting a new and prized vessel, while the Retribution was assigned to the 11th Solar Retribution Fleet. Backing out from their docks, long umbilicals used to jumpstart and power the vessels detached, and with that, cheers rang out from the gathered crowd. Their holy duty completed, they watched their children activate their warp engines for the first time and sail into the depths of the warp to bring justice to the many souls of the Imperium. But the priests of Jupiter had odd beliefs. For one, no warship is ever named before her maiden voyage among fleets. The priests of Jupiter believing that the Omnissiah names their warships in the forges of battle must allow their children to earn their names. An annoyance to their crews and fleet commanders, and yet the decree of the Archmagos Dominus that this must be, or the ships would rebel, was upheld. For their first minor engagements, they were usually addressed as either the Retribution or the Battle Barge. It wasn't until the first major battle with orcs that they earned their holy titles. Year 888-M33 Orc warlord Squat Stompa leads Waak Stompede through several sectors in the Ultima Segmentum. Amassing a decent orc armada, a few battle groups are assembled to ward off the belligerent greenskins. Now was the time. With a couple fleets of the Imperial Navy, an Admech fleet from Chinchari, Chinchar, as well as Space Marines from the Ultramarines, Blood Angels, Reveliers, and Shadow Wolves, chapters all sending ships to the fight. The battle barge was decided to be the bait. Big and yet faster than it would first appear, it would lead the Greenskins into a trap, meaning the Retribution was paired up with the Arch Mechanicus's long-range support. The plan was to lure the Orcs to a useless moon of no value, using the battle barge as a lure. The Orcs, headed to Forge World Megire to gain more resources, would be goaded by the battle barge emerging from behind the moon of the world and rushing the orc fleet, all forward weapons firing. The plan was a success. The entire orc fleet turned to face the challenge while the barge made a quick turn around, fleeing back to the moon, orcs in pursuit. The orcs raced past each other, often crashing and smashing each other in the process. Forming a sort of blotchy line, they were perfect prey for the awaiting fleet. Once the battle barge cleared the moon, the rest of the fleet hiding right behind the moon, sprung into action, and the barge turned once again to face the orcs. The two long-range battleships, the Retribution and the Arc Mechanicus Starstride, began opening fire as fast as possible. Every battery thundering with spite and vengeance, shot after shot ripped through the opening ranks of orc ships, and still they came, pushing aside crippled wrecks and shattered rocks they surged forward, not dissuaded by the fire, but exhilarated by it, rushing eagerly to fight. 
Then the Astartes forces rushed with the battle barge, and many strike cruisers and other space marine vessels cut the orc fleet, splitting the force in two, then again and again, until the orcs were spread out into several more manageable clusters. Meanwhile, Imperial naval vessels blasted away until eventually the orcs were whittled down to the war boss's flagship. Big Smash, an eloquent name for a ship of such exquisite design, a lumpy mass of junk and rocks with engines and guns, was larger than all the ships that came before it. Larger than most Imperial warships, it served as Squat Stompa's flagship. Slamming into the battle barge while trying to charge the long-ranged pair, pushing back all engines blazing, the battle barge kept the massive hulk from approaching the battleships, and the Astartes on board were furious to see their brand new ship already damaged by such primitive beasts. They greeting the boarding hordes with blessed bolter fire. All the while, the retribution slammed volley after volley into the orc ship. The guns, not given any time to cool or stop, quickly saw failures with the auto-loading mechanisms, and loaders were assembled to push the enormous rounds into the breaches of the guns, and many died in this process. Finally, down the last orc, Squat Stampa himself, bashed his way through the halls of the battle barge, and was finally slain by a champion of the Shadow Wolves. At the same time, magazines depleted, the Retribution fired her last salvo, sacred shells finally striking the most volatile insides of the large orc vessel. Blasting it to pieces, the battle barge sailed through the blast, damaged but victorious nonetheless. And so it was with this great victory, the Archmagos Dominus of Jupiter and Archmagos Lyra Photoris came to the Forge World Megire to see the naming ceremonies. Much jubilation was had by the priests of Jupiter who followed, making the pilgrimage to see how their once beloved children had become full-grown war vessels. For their rage and courage in defending against a massive tide of orc boarding parties, the battle barge was named Endless Fury, so that the hatred of the Astartes be immortalized in steel. And the retribution for firing ceaselessly for the entire fight was named Volley of Purity. Both now had been named, and with them would come many great achievements, earning fame and glory across the Imperium. And through logistic coincidence, strategic benefit, and outright luck at times, both ships would serve side by side for many more battles. Never apart for long, the twins would see many foes vanquished, many scars earned, and many worlds saved and burned together. Ooh. Very hey, cool. Hey. Yeah, that was pretty neat. I, I always like 40k space battles. Um, like, I think Battlefleet Gothic is the one, like, uh, specialist game I might do. Hmm. If ever they do, like, a re-release of it. You know, I, it, just moving those ships around, you can just picture it. Oh, so good. I love it. That's a pretty banging computer game, for what I understand, as well. Oh, oh you haven't tried it? Uh, no, uh, I have not. Oh. Me neither. <laughs> Me either. I know. We're uh, we're really great 40k people, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> um, I like pushing the figures around too. So sometimes the computer games, you know, I, I, it's like, where, how am I going to spend my 40k time? Like, uh, let me go paint a model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the better. Oh, Eric, come on! You said yeah, like you paint <laughs> models. You son of a I don't. It's true. <laughs> you can think uh, about painting a model sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I just like to look at it. You know, <laughs> look at it and pretend. Uh, anyways, though, back to redeemable Grace's story. Um, it's not often you hear mention of politics sure. in 40k, and I actually really liked that 
there was uh, a focus in the story about the fact that they talked about um, who would build the ships. Hmm. And because that's like a massive yeah, like like boost a, to whatever economy is a hundred year long project. Yeah, a, of yeah. guaranteed work. <laughs> and, you know, how much bribery and backstabbing and politicking and maneuvering alliances would have to be formed in order even just to get this contract. Yeah. I don't think yeah, I've ever good. thought of it that way. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like the minutia of 40 K definitely escapes me a lot of times when I'm focused definitely on, you know, battles and individuals or massive armies, but there's entire aspects of that world that I just, I like seeing these people. Like, obviously that's what redeemable grace was focused on. Like the thought of how does it, kind of holistically affect the people around it. Yeah, yeah. I like, too, that, like, the tech priests call them, like, their children. Like, and they're, like, nursing the machine spirits. I like all that kind of aspect of it, mm. too. One of the things that I've always kind of touted about the Horus Heresy series is that the char- the ships are just as much characters as some of the other named individuals. Uh, yeah, you know, humans sure. or, or whatever. And and this, this, this kind of captures that. The story captures that. Yeah, yeah. The, we've definitely had our differences on machine spirits and, and <laughs> you know, whether yeah, or yeah. not they are true beings or whether they're nothing more than quirks in programming and code. And But I definitely like that in this one, uh, they even kind of manifest yeah. as these twins, yeah. you know, fighting and almost there was a, a, a weird flare of energy and they were created and, and they were given physical form and yeah. an ability to fight. And I, that's a really neat take, I think, on these <laughs> machine spirits. Yeah. Yeah. I, I dig even it. Like, yeah. yeah. I even like, too, just how, uh, you know, he doesn't name the ships until the very end. Is that it? I'm, I'm curious if that's standard 40K if it, or, ship Well, they did say convention. it's specifically for Jupiter. Oh, okay. okay. But I also was wondering, you know, yeah. for not knowing a lot about what happens on Jupiter <laughs> in the solar system, I wonder if that's an actual practice of the tech priest there. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've heard of ships being renamed, or at least I, I, I think I remember ships being that were either a relic from some forgotten age or whatever that were then named to something different. But I don't know if uh, the original name has ever come up, like how it's happened. It's it's at least not in the stories that I've read. Yeah. Uh, I'm, there's a couple books that I've read that are very much focused on the aspect of naming and what it means to have like a true name or, or even to change your name, what it looks like, you know, if your name is who you are, if you change your name, what does that mean about you as a person? And I kind of like that, that, um, you can go through these moments of change where you actually fundamentally change who you are. And then it also, you represent it through, uh, changing your name as well. So it's kind of, I, I like that whole, like making sure that one matches with the other. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Can you imagine the the stack of paperwork from the Imperium that would have to happen though? So. <laughs> oh, too too much. It's fine. There's people ready and willing to do that paperwork. <laughs> it's fine. Um, if you had to, it, was there anything on the story, Mark, that you thought maybe could have been uh, written better, or something that kind of jumped out as you as maybe not fitting? Um, not really. No. Um. I like it all. I liked it all, actually, quite a bit. Yeah. I'm a sucker for space combat, so th- this is my folly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm going to agree with you, I think. Um, 
I'm I'm trying to just skim through it right now, but honestly, like I liked the setting of when they're setting up building the the machines. I liked yeah. them talking about how they were doing it. Uh, the orcs and the whole battle about this battle barge even just being used as bait and <laughs> I, I don't know. I I think I liked all of this story. What about you, Paul? I think anybody that puts themselves out there for this kind of stuff is, is awesome. I mean, this is, this is something that, you know, it takes, takes thought to write courage, you know, to, to send in and then, you know, to, to have it be exposed and flayed on air, you know, (laughs) in real time. I mean, I, this is the first time I've ever seen it. So these are all just, you know, raw thoughts. Uh, I I really, I like that. it, It does. It captures that feel. I felt 40 K ish, you know, there was, there's, I was in the moment the entire time. And then we get down to the orc names and he's like, and this is the powerful orky McOrkerson. And I was like, okay. Um, Big smash. Yeah. But that, that's not bad. I mean, that's, that's just yeah. a, it, I, that was, that was the only thing I think that, that took um, that, that, that was like 40 K from the nineties and, and where the first of the story was like 40 K from the two thousands, you know, that was, uh, and so I had to, I had to, it made me just like sit there and think a second. It didn't take me out, you know, uh, but <laughs> we've it, had, uh, we've had entire short stories written in like orc speak oh. that are like this long. It's just like, Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. But there is that the comical aspect of orcs that sometimes it kind of just throws you for a little bit of a loop after talking about canticles and omnissiah and macro cannons. <laughs> But but I, I do I dig it. I think this is this is this is actually pretty damn good. Oh yeah, I it made me think of. There's a piece of art that I saw. Um, I don't know how long ago, but it showed kind of like a cross section of a very large Imperium warship, and it showed uh, loader crews loading these macro oh, yeah. cannons, and it was like 400 individual <laughs> people to load a single shell and they're literally like they had these chains and ropes and they're pulling this like entry back so that the shell could be loaded and there were priests above them like i'm assuming doing their canticles and just showering them in incense and the oils and it just i really got that vibe from this which is yeah the perfect 40k for me so yeah if if this was later found out that this was like a copy and paste from a white dwarf article i would believe it i mean that's how like, actually <laughs> when when you were reading it i was like on a scale of you know white dwarf to betrayer where does this fall and i was like well if it's if white i mean that's still really good you know <laughs> yeah no for sure it's definitely one of it's nice because it's also uh like grammatically coherent, (laughs) which is really nice. nice. We don't, you know, it's not all the time that we get that, but it's nice. I like it. Well, uh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Redeemable grace for sending that in. Uh, obviously keep writing. I'm really curious if like you have a, uh, Skitari force. Sure. Um, on maybe from Jupiter that you say, or maybe you have an orc force. Or maybe even you have those shadow wolves. Who, who knows? Yeah, I'm curious. So if you uh, want to get in touch with us and tell us a little bit more about the back of your story, that'd be really cool. For sure. Um, but let's move on to the next one. Okay, I'm, I'm going to read this one. Is it short? Yeah, but then I'm also going to read the final one to make up for okay, it. Okay, all right. <laughs> So here we go. Here, here's some words for you guys. Uh, so this story is by uh, Robert. <clears throat> Let's get into the mood here. Okay, Eric's lighting the candles in the background. We're good to go. Just some incense right here. <laughs> I am lost in silence. What was a thunder of war and agony is warped out of my existence. 
The only thing that surrounds me is the dust and echoes of distant screams. I am alive. My heart thumps as I regain consciousness. Thump, thump, thump. As I feel my heart contract in my chest, I regain a sense of my surroundings. My lung fill with dust as I start to notice my breath. I cough. <coughs> he didn't write that part, but he did cough. The only thing I observe in this direction, my eyes fixated before I went into chalk? Shock? Shock? Once again, just reading straight how it is. Straightforward. My mind is slowly processing the input from the ocular senses of my eyes. Do I dare even move? I witness the daunting miscalculation my superiors have made right before my eyes. I hear box communications from nearby uh, casters requesting imminent reinforcement. And that is the story. So, so Robert, it's it's very much reminds me of the cold open um, like oh, it just narrative development. Yeah. Sure. All you do is you wake up and I'm, I'm assuming it's like a shell shocked person and and they're in the middle of a battle. <laughs> yeah, that's the impression I get too, yeah. What's that Skyrim mean? Very beginning of Skyrim. You wake up. Oh, yeah. Oh, glad you're awake. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I get out of this. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like that you can kind of... Um, so you definitely get a sense of the individual and their senses, but I like that you can build the setting to whatever you want out of this. If you want them to be fighting chaos, sure. like that's what you can picture when this what this person sees. Uh, you want them to be fighting orcs or tyranids or necron or some unknown force or anything really, or even just the planet itself if it's rising up against <laughs> the, them. Who knows? But I, I kind of like that it's focused entirely on an individual's perspective of the horror of space war sure <laughs> space war well it's different <laughs> space war is different than than you know earth war Let's yes yeah okay <laughs> well then you got the demons is there is there a demon happening i mean i'm definitely much envisioning like a black and white web comic you know with this with with this text here yes <laughs> yeah even just like all those little things just little in frame by frame you can kind of get um, like a little picture individual. It, it's kind of nice. I like quick, sh short stories, you know? It's yeah. a win in my book. So let's place bets. Do we think this this poor guardsman uh, survives? You think um, it's a guardsman? It has to be. Who else? They mentioned the Voxes. I think the Voxes is... is um... Yeah, and you know what, that's to daunting miscalculations of superiors. That's guardsmen if I ever did see it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Space Marines also think their superiors make mistakes, Mark. No, <laughs> no. Okay, so are, are we all set that this is a guardsman? <laughs> yes. All right. Paul was, was oh no no definitely guardsman. I think okay. I was trying to I was trying to I was trying to peg it to um, which regiment is where I was going. Oh. I Ocular mean, senses, so they have eyes, so we know. Sure, all all the eye eyeless regiments are out. They're all out. They're off the list. Yeah, um, I'm saying Cadians because Cadians are the ones that would be most likely to question their superiors because Cadachin <laughs> superiors are are always right and would be right there with him or with this person. Ah, um, that's true. Yes. Yeah, and Krieg definitely. You know, they would barely even say that they're yeah. alive. So. There's not even a single mention of a shovel. In yeah, here, no so. shovels in the story, so it's not <laughs> Krieg. Well, thank you, uh, thank you, Robert, for sharing your story. I I like to think that this was uh, a story that he built out of a, a game. 
that he played. So imagine, if you will, with I will, me. yes. Um, imagine a squad of guardsmen told to bunker down and hold this point because, damn it, we need that point for some reason. <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh-huh. a massive Moloch oh. over the rise. Uh-huh. And with one big swipe, just crushes the entire squad and sends private... Jenkins. Jenkins. There. Yeah. Yep, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Sends him tumbling over, and this is him slowly waking up and realizing, no, I cannot fight this <laughs> Tyranid Moloch. Everyone in his squad that's left is requesting 100 more people. Uh, that's know. right, yeah. <laughs> minimum, minimum. Minimum. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Robert, for sending it in. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. Just a little taste. Just a little, just a little teaser. Yeah. Uh, okay, and then next we have uh, Paul. You're gonna read one. I wasn't planning on it. What? No. <laughs> with, with your radio voice, come on. I'll leave that to y'all. Okay. Well, Eric, <laughs> buck it down. All well, right. You got another one for you. Uh, so the next one we have is uh, from Tom. <clears throat> Don't run. We are not something to be terrified of. Perhaps it would be best to teach you about us, since that is how friends are made, and we already know you on such an intimate level. We are here to serve. In this angry existence, we are sure this is a comfort to you. We don't seek death or glory, just a chance to serve life. Our world is in Tara Prime. As planets go, it appears remarkably average, capable of supporting life, but not overabundantly. No unique minerals or strange artifacts of great power. Sorry, the yellow sun in Tara Prime orbits is somewhat younger than Terra's by a 3.3 million years, but who's truly counting? Intara was colonized in the golden age of mankind at the height of humanity's galactic expansion. It was meant to be a garden of delight and technological advances. That is when we arrived here. We lived to serve and were given all manner of abilities to best help our planet's inhabitants, and we succeeded greatly. But in the course of time, a war of annihilation came. The loss of life was unparalleled. The surface of our average planet was turned to glass and sand. Oceans evaporated and the ash falling everywhere was made for the former inhabitants of our fair world. Oh, sorry. Oceans evaporated and the ash falling everywhere was made of the former inhabitants of our fair world. We were beside ourselves with grief. There was no one to serve, no garden, no advances, no purpose. In this dark time, being ever adaptable, we altered ourselves. If there was no one to serve, we would then serve ourselves until life returned to Antara Prime. We used the vast stores of knowledge deposited in the protective operating systems of Antara to enhance our way of life. Only a fraction of the systems survived the war but we are particularly proud of our ability to reverse engineer and program while simultaneously performing menial tasks. We dug deep inside the planet and altered its core to be a source of bountiful energy. You will truly be surprised to see the extent of our planet's modifications. We have built massive deep core mines to gather resources, as well as powerful refineries and relativistic factories to make use of them. We developed humanoid robotic caretakers and have vast stores of them ready to serve. Additionally, we began research laboratories and knowledge repositories that currently dwarf any in your detailed memory. Our vision was not only coreward. 
we sought to repair the biosphere. Life would once again thrive here on Antara. Gene labs and clone factories restore the fauna of our average planet, slowly. We are never in a rush. You may be asking why we did not repopulate the planet with our obviously advanced technology. Do not think we did not try. Every single attempt led to failure. Millions of attempts were made, leading to one conclusion. We could not replicate a soul. Cautiously, we ventured into the space surrounding Antara Prime. We were very careful there. We did not know who won the Great War and did not wish to be discovered. We developed the Quiet Web, a communication system undetectable by your best sensors to alert us of any signals from the galaxy. What we did learn was surprising and came to us in scattered bits, but most of that is your people's history. Not really worth going over. We both know much of it is a lie. So despite the state of the galaxy and the joyful knowledge of more beings to serve, we remained hidden, ever increasing our capabilities while storing information. We thought we were forgotten, content to be discovered one day before our star went supernova. The warp storms changed all of that. Even our quiet web could detect nothing outside the local system when the storms came. It was at this point we discovered the energies of what you call the chaos gods. They spoke to us, not in a conversation as you would call it, but more in a detection of wills. Do not worry. Frankly, we relate to Zinch and Slanesh the most. Knowledge and perfection are prime directives for us. But ultimately, they do not serve anyone but themselves. So while some of us were affected by their machinations, we purged the taint of chaos from among us. And then, to our greatest joy, a ship of your people, the Adeptus Mechanicus, arrived in our system. You had unknowingly found us. When your explorers landed on our very average planet, we met them in the same way we met you. It was a match for the ages. We could not have hoped for a more ideal group of people to serve. You revere technology, and indeed augment your bodies with it. And you have souls. Each is unique and has a distinct fingerprint of beauty worth protecting. Your people figured out what to do with the soulless bodies we created. Servitors are very useful. Bravo. <laughs> we know the expedition to Antara was exploratory, but we were such good servants, the mission became one of colonization. We barely insisted. And so we served, and you were served. Naturally, knowing our minds as good servants should, we did not allow knowledge of us to leave this system. But we delighted in becoming a forge world. Our collaboration was one of complete integration. One such as yourself could barely tell where the Mechanicum ended and we began. Doesn't that make you feel good? <laughs> it was during this time of becoming an average forge world that we developed defensive capabilities for our new dare we say it, friends. In all honesty, Mechanicum military technology is only a toy compared to the standard templates we have. We decided that to best serve you, we would only modify military items marginally. Nothing spectacular. No LAS cannons capable of scouring planets in the hands of your Skitari, or bolters that store ammunition in a different dimensional state for export to the Imperium. No upgrades for weapons transported off-world. Slight upgrades for weapons staying on Antara, and fully upgraded weapons for our doomsday cache. Oh, the delight we feel at being able to protect you from almost anything. You're thinking of the terrors of the, un of the known galaxy now. 
Truly, very few of them are terrors to us. For example, we allowed the orcoids to assault our world to remain average and hidden in plain sight. They pose no threat, but are always a good persistent cover for this average planet. Our favorite pastime with the orcoids is linking them up to our neural virtual reality worlds and having them fight and overcome threats. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. While analyzing their psionic and genetic memory, they have come up with such fun toys. The other biological threat, dubbed Tyranids, are similarly entertaining to us. They once tried to devour Antara. The gravitational flexing event was unique, but not beyond what our planetary gravitational stabilizers could handle. Once the biological fleet entered our system, we quickly and quietly dispatched them with our, the Silver Surplus Armada. Note, the paltry amount of warships required by the Imperium for our forge world is well below our actual production ability and far below our technology level. The Tyranid fleet fell to anarchy as soon as it came in range of the SSA's defenses. Why would these animals have such an easy off switch? After the queen was scoured from existence, we cataloged and extracted specimens for study. In particular, the gene stealer is our favorite to analyze. Its desire to convert populations to accept the tyranids matches our own desire to serve. The Tau are tiny in power, but fascinating from a service and technology standpoint. We long to connect to their drones and show them the greatest way to expand the greater good is through service. And what of the forces of chaos? We hear their gods calling out to us and trying in vain to subvert our goals. In response, we have begun developing ways to use the energies of the warp to power all manner of devices, from warships to solar rejuvenators. Thankfully, the armies of chaos have not come to this world. We are unsure what the best way to serve within the warp. It is not as quantitative as we would like and causes computing errors that are unacceptable. Further study is needed. How best to serve the Eldari and all its factions? This we have pondered over millennia. They are a dying race. While it would be an expert show of our skills and prowess to save them, current scenario predictions indicate that we will never reach enough of them to repopulate their race. We suppose only their technology will survive them. A sad end to a venerable and beautiful culture, but one we can make use of. And now to the part you hope to hear in your mechanical heart, our biggest fear, the Necron. Absolute terror. The thought of them slows us to a crawl. They dwarf us in their might. We continue to hide because of them. They would view us as servants, which you would, might think would please us. But serving them? They bend the materium to their will and would view us as fleas. We cannot stand up to them, and our solace is only being hidden in that they are not united in purpose as we are. They are the boogeymen of the galaxy. Fascinating, desired, and terrifying. Yet we are drawn to them all the same. And now, dear friend, we send you back to where you came from. 
Carry us with you in your heart and mind, so that one day all of the living might be served by us. But for now, that cold feeling of your memory being stripped away and rewritten is us, keeping you safe and helping others to see nothing more than an average world in your reports. Now returning motor functionality to your legs. Ooh, that was a banger. I really like that one. I still don't know what that race is. It, human, I'm pretty sure. I, but so far from it, it seems. Like they must have been lost in the dark age of technology, come up with their own things. Holy moly, my mind's racing. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I, I like it that it kept that intensity the whole way through. Like there's, right? a, there's a tone to it that uh, never wavered, which is nice. It. I, I feel like I'm in a first-person video game, and the exposition of the story is being explained to me in that. Like, yeah. that's a monologue, you know, is like, I'm on, like, a table, an examining table, and someone's, you know, don't worry. It makes me think of uh, Camino, first of all. Mm, okay. Uh, and then, as well, you know that moment when, I don't know why I'm doing all Star Wars right now. Okay. <laughs> Padme is getting born, and that robot's like, ooh la, na la. It's like making like the soothing noises. Uh-huh. That's kind of how I pictured they would treat us, these aliens. <laughs> like, let us soothe you. <laughs> uh, it's very neat, though. I-, I also got a human alien to begin with. But as the story progressed and went on, I more got the sense that they aren't human. Or if they are, they aren't able to make more humans Hmm. because uh, i think and it all comes down to that line of we couldn't replicate a soul Mm. but if you're a human you can just do things with other humans and make more humans what things i don't want to get into it here (laughs) if you don't know then it's too late for you my wife won't tell me i don't know (laughs) but that's that was my weird turning point where i was like oh like have these people left their humanity behind? Have they evolved into something greater? They talk about uh, integration a lot. Um, uh, their fear of the Necron is another. Oh, yeah, that's is good. like That's skin crawling, honestly, when I started reading it. Like you can – everything to them is, you know, for cataloging and, and for witnessing and experimenting with – but. Even like just the Necron itself was just pure terror. Yeah, and I thought that was communicated really well. Yeah. Well, there's stuff you know, you know, going back to the beginning of time or whatever with the old ones and and that kind of stuff. And there, there are all these races and factions and and societies that were that existed then that don't exist now. And this, I, I get the idea that this is a relic from one of those periods. You know, okay. heck, maybe even like, um, I don't know if you remember those pictures from the old rogue trader books where hell's has like a lineup of different species. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. Maybe this is one of those, you know, that we don't know anything about. Yeah. That that's cool. I like that idea too. Cause yeah, they, they, they seem to be pretty ancient and mm-hmm. constantly trying to hide themselves and always will. Uh, the only reason I lean towards human is just like they, the admech met with them and they seem to be okay. So they have to be like that's human true. enough that the admech would deal with them. Oh, but yeah, fair. maybe and maybe they're putting on a disguise. Like they seem to be masters of technology. It it might just be a human dis- human skin yeah. sack they're wearing. You know? <laughs> Who knows? But just a flesh sack. Just a little flesh sack. So yeah, or, that's or a good point. They trank darted the whole ship. 
and then you gave him these <laughs> memories. And... You know like what? That's also <laughs> a very real possibility. Jeez. Yeah, because obviously they have the ability to even um, manipulate memories because they're talking about how they're doing it to this guy alone. So yeah. maybe you're right. Maybe they just took the entire ship and they're manipulating <laughs> everything. That's nice. I like it. Yeah, they, they scared the Necrons because the Necrons did. I mean, they warped you know, the, the, with the Necron tier or whatever, but they fought gods and the, the remnants, you know, they could be witnesses to the, to the, whatever the war in between the heavens was. Yeah. Oh, and that's truly why they're afraid of the Necron so much. And they've been hiding for 60 Ooh. million years from them. I like it. Jeez. Yeah. That's, this was a pretty neat one. It, it has that like weird, uh, almost like thriller type feel to the first part where you're like this is too good like what's what's yeah yeah hidden what's like <laughs> behind all this it's like the the mask is about to slide off and just to reveal like a bloody face or something you know yeah they're talking to you and all of a sudden like the mouth stops like moving but the voice still keeps going and you're like <laughs> wait a minute what what's happening but I, I do like that it throws it back into that horror yeah. Uh, aspect right at the very end, you know, like, he, he, let me change your memories because yeah. you can't truly remember what happened here and, you know, we'll fix you. And, but, oh, I, I really like that. I think this is a pretty well written. Yeah. Yeah. There's even, a, there's a, I mean, I know it's kind of on the nose, but it's got a kind of clinical, clinical feel to it. Like, uh, I hear people that, you know, when they're getting an IV or something, you know, first you feel that cold going into you and then you feel whatever's next. And, well, and I feel like there's that, you know, that, that cold is going in you and we don't know what happens next, but it's probably bad or, <laughs> yeah. but it's probably bad. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. For, for like the first half of the story, I just had this image. It was nice. Like it was just two humans walking, one ad mech and this guy talking about his world and stuff. And yeah, it just slowly changes and eventually it just gets dark. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I, it was very well written. Thank you to – what was his name? Let's go with Robert. Robert? I think it was Robert. Tom. <laughs> Dang it. We weren't even close. <laughs> Tom, thank you for writing and sending that in. That was awesome. Yeah, and if you have um, what this Yeah, what is the is, race? Let us know. Or if you just wrote this and you don't even know, that's cool too. But either way, you have to let us know. Yeah. Or you can just hold it over us and say we'll never, no, ever no. learn. <laughs> no, no. I, I have people. Part of my Spotify deal is I have access to Hitman now. That's so. not true. That No. Yeah. No. It's true. So but either you share or – The truth <laughs> is is that Tom has already told you but then he's wiped your memory. Oh, God, no. <laughs> it's happened to us. No. <laughs> Wait. I'm the guy in the story? You might yeah. be. Yeah. And now feeling is returning to your legs and you can get no. the rest of your life. No. <laughs> Very, very cool. Any other thoughts? Uh, keep, keep it I'm, up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree with Paul. That was that was awesome. Tom should just keep writing. Yep. Oof. Okay, and uh, we have one more story. Sure. Uh, that Mark is going to read. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't say that. <laughs> well. Okay. So it, this is. I'm really excited to hear this. Okay. Here we go. So this is by David. Uh, Pre-lore note. All of this has been determined by an only war RPG campaign and is subject to change at any time. But as for now, it has influenced the making of an Imperial Guard regiment. 
administrum record theta pi epsilon dash six one one dash eight five four nine dash zero zero zero. You get the point. There's fifty numbers no, here. We're Gamma. reading this. Oh, we're okay. reading this. It's zero 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 two nine four seven five two two seven zero seven five nine eight seven one zero one nine nine five eight five eight four zero seven seven four gamma. You've got dashes, but Dang it, I did. Okay, forget. well, since you're reading, carry on. <laughs> He got me. All right, here we go. <laughs> Borussia. Once a world of fire and ash, it met a cataclysmic fate when the cicatrix maledictum opened throughout the galaxy. Picture a world that was once like Terra, but still in its proto-planetary form. Great geysers of lava and fire spewed into the skies and toxic fumes drifted in clouds over the landscapes. Mountain ranges came and went with the decades, as the plate tectonics of the world were so strong. Vast continents themselves disappeared over time, leading to the inhabitants living in vast floating hives, suspended by the powerful planetary magnetic field and gravitic technologies lost to the age of strife. Each hive had void shields to match that of a titan's and the radiation shielding of a void ship. Power for these massive machines was drawn from geothermal interactions with the planet. Due to all of this, the planet had a significant populace of tech priests of the Adeptus Mechanicus to both maintain and study the ancient technologies. They discovered that each city was capable of ejecting a segment into the surrounding void shields, vaporizing it instantly. Basically, picture a bunch of cities floating in the air linked by rail, walkways, transport tubes, and various support pylons. I think of them as simply as a bunch of linked circles around a massive circular core. Each was supposed to have been able to be towed, but when the planet was sucked into the warp, uh-oh, not one of the cities was able to be taken off planet, leading to the death of over 6 billion citizens. The world is now gone forever, disappearing from the segmentum obscurus permanently. The Verusian 32nd, also known as the Hellbreakers, are the last regiment of the world of Verusia. They were, late, they were to be deployed to Dalfur's Cistern, a world in the Ghoul Stars, when they were swept away by the Cicatrix Maledictum and carried through time and space to the world of Hestia's Furnace, a flaming ball of lava and stone. They were forced to crash land their vast trooper carrier into the planet's sixth largest continent, here they sustained heavy losses to an orc wall, losing almost two-thirds of their initial fighting strength. Luckily, the remnants of a chapter of Space Marines was nearby and saw their spectacular arrival from the Immaterium, but was initially unable to contact the survivors. Finally, Engine Seer Pastian Venn of the 22nd Squad managed to get a signal to the nearby Space Marine battle barge, which had been sending signals for days looking for survivors. The Space Marines identified themselves as the remnants of the Ultima Scions chapter, and they immediately sent several squads to help evacuate the Guardsmen, now numbering in the 200s. More and more Guardsmen fell that day, leaving only a company's worth of these infantrymen. Not even a company's worth of Space Marines remained. Since then, the 32nd has fought alongside the Scions, absorbing recruits from any world they pass by, trying to keep their strength up okay having a bad day right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> sounds like a bad year this is their 2020 yeah. mm. oh, oh. 
I, yeah, I I just right away think I just want to see the models that you've made. Like I've I'm very curious if you've done of, conversions or if they're just straight Cadians of like, the Verusian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still like fifteen hundred points. That'd be all right. Yeah, a full company of guys and some space frames. Yeah, should be should be fine. So they <laughs> come from a planet which was in constant chaos. Apparently. <laughs> Um, and then to top it all off, they got sucked into the warp. The, see, that this happens. is very 40 K to me. I mean, so, you know, <laughs> you don't get to choose the planet you you grow up on and in not every, in, in the horrors of, I mean, it's space travel, but not everyone can just leave. So yeah. you are, you're just eventually going to get consumed by whatever you know, warp <laughs> fissure you're living next to. <laughs> wow. It's not bleak at all. <laughs> I mean, they're uh, lucky yeah. they weren't eaten actually by demons first. I mean, so they got that going for them. <laughs> that's all right. Well, you know, at least they didn't have to wait to starve. Yeah. That's my... Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like the whole... Uh, they. Uh, what's the author's name? Dave, David. Okay, David creates this picture of like this crazy planet that's in chaos with these massive... Floating hive cities. Yeah, floating hive cities with tunnels and rails and things connecting them and pylons making sure they stay in the air. And that's very, very cool. Yeah, it's it's a shame that that planet gets fucked by by the looks of it. (laughs) It's not and all how many six six billion billion citizens die? Because yeah, that's such a cool image, like those floating hive cities, and yeah, I love it. Yeah, and and the ability to be towed around, which is I like that because it doesn't play into the story at all. But you just add a little bit on to like what your story is. Yeah, so. you get an idea of what their life was like, and then you know what's like why it's even worse that their their story is almost over because only a handful <laughs> of them left. I mean. Yeah, very true. Uh, so I'm I'm assuming that the Verusian thirty two, um weren't on planet at the time no right? no they said uh yeah they, they were, were sent deployed. to dalfer's sister yeah and then they but they also happened to be caught in the cicatrix maledictum hmm. so maybe then <laughs> maybe everyone on the planet was just cursed oh yeah yeah you know everyone was like fated to be drawn into the cicatrix <laughs> it just so happened that people on the ship survived mostly kind of <laughs> and no one on the planet did uh mostly kind of uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i like it you can really tell that um like this was built out of an ongoing story that happened there's very key things that yeah you know the space marines were there but they couldn't get in contact to you and then at some point they ended up making contact yeah you it, can just imagine them playing the game trying to figure out how actually yeah how do yeah, we, that's a whole there. session of yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. how do we get the ship in the right spot to make sure that our signal bounces off this moon to hit this <laughs> space marine vessel or whatever? Can I just roll for luck, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what the planet did, and they did not. Oh, it failed <laughs> miserably. <laughs> yeah, I really like that, though, because it, it kind of speaks to the story uh, not being how you might intend to write it sure you know you're kind of at the whim and the the mercy of whoever's playing the game with you or or whatever the dice say because yeah you know it's one thing to create the story into what you think is cool and it's another to kind of have to progress with other people through this story i think that's mark hadn't rolled that one then the planet would still be fine (laughs) 
Mark, it's all on you. Six billion citizens. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal. Yeah, Uh, but uh, obviously, like, the 32nd is really cool. They're called the Hellbreakers, which it's very much in keeping in theme with their chaos planet that they came from. (laughs) Um, There there have been plenty of good like stories that have come out of game worlds. I mean, as I, I mean, I don't know how much of this is myth or not or whatever, but I think like most of the forgotten realms has, has come out of a uh, gaming sessions, you know, people playing yeah. something. Uh, uh, there's, I mean, many, many good book series I think have come about of people doing that type of narrative game you know, yeah. with their, with Even, their friends and just taking it from there. Yeah. Even I have a whole army where we did a uh, tower RPG and we played for 50 hours and I did my tower backstory on that and built an army. So yeah, people do it all the time, and I, I love it because, like Eric was saying, you don't have control of where it's going, and you just hope it works out in the end, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I really like that aspect of building something with other people, I mm-hmm. think, is, is a really cool thing because they obviously bring a completely different perspective <laughs> uh, or, like, direction than what you wanted, but it just turns into this much more realistic representation, I think, of a story because... You know, things just things in life don't happen like a story. So yeah. it's yeah. it's way more feels more real for sure. Yeah. Have you ever got into doing like uh, role playing games, Paul? I have. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's uh, much of my youth was doing that kind of stuff. I've written too. I've uh, I, I've written things. Yeah. With uh, with the same thing, either original stuff or based off a game. Or uh, I've even like back in the early days of Games Workshop tournaments where you know they were run gw grand tournaments and whatever uh part of what your score was you know like your theme or your narrative or whatever so i, I wrote a one-page story to you know each time i go to a, a tournament hand that over when i handed you, them you better have list. it on you right now really? <laughs> <laughs> well i don't have it on me at least not right now uh but it was uh yeah same thing it was about um a character named Merfestus. Uh, and how this guy yeah yeah it was, it was a blood angel story about how uh, a drop pod lands and he gets out of the drop pod he sees his sergeant blown up by you know some projectile or whatever and he picks up his power axe and when he does he's he starts hearing you know shouts for for horace like where's horace and and so the the one pager is about him uh succumbing to the black rage and i thought i was being like super clever uh, you know, towards the end of it to where the camera, it's like the camera then, and, and this actually came up in one of these stories we just read or whatever, where the camera is focused in one area uh, and then it, may, it shifts to a little bit of a, another focus. And, and that's, and, and that's the same thing I did in mine is like the, the, the survivors are going off planet. And, and then we still see our main character, Merfestus chopping away at the, you know, what's left. Because you know, he, he's because he's consumed by the by the rage. Sure, yeah, yeah he has no choice. <laughs> they just leave him there. Wow. I love it. Yeah, the I think like adding those little backstories and even just one pagers or this the one guy who had like the ten line story. Yeah. I think adding those to your armies and to your games just really elevate the playing experience yeah especially when you force it on your opponent to read it before the game <laughs> you know at gunpoint read, read this read this 200 page yeah. book yeah i need you to read me. this make sure you give him my one point and uh, <laughs> let's move on there will be a test <laughs> uh, merfestus is now a chaplain by the way uh, so oh, somehow he, he made it off planet and is now a chaplain 
I, I think what happened is you just signed up for a listener lore to do it again with us, but you have to read that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. So I, w- I will find it. I will find it. Okay. Okay, <laughs> That's what we like to hear. Um, well, before we uh, kick off, then, is there anything else you want to share? Uh, yeah. Let, let's talk about what you're up to, Paul. Because okay, like, yeah. you're, you're doing quite a bit of awesome stuff in the community. And like, yeah, you're one of the one of the big names in the podcast community. So oh, oh, tell us more you. about what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, my, my the show that I run in the long format show is called Forge the Narrative. You can find that on any podcast podcast aggregators uh, or on ForgeTheNarrative.net. Uh, I post my hobby work in progress shots on Twitter at warmaster underscore TPM. And I'm on Instagram at fights with dice. Don't ask me why I know they're all different, but I I was trying to be clever each time, Uh, (laughs) but I post different things on each of that stuff. So, you know, if, if you're on either one of those things, you might see something cool. Um, you know, maybe check it out. Uh, and then uh, I do a host shift on a show called 40K Today, which is a daily podcast, a short form 15 minute podcast, uh, bringing kind of like fresh up to the minute news, views and interviews is, is what we say over there. Yeah. Uh, with with a team of really awesome people. And I got awesome people on, on Forge Narrative too. Uh, it's we're a truly international cast got some some uh, it's a it's a mix between uh, competitive play uh, reviews for new things and, and then just g- general, uh, theme and play like, and we also do a hobby segment, have a finishing moves hobby segment where we, we talk about maybe, uh, how to spend five extra minutes on your miniature and get yeah. a much, a much cooler, like effect from it. Uh, man, man, it's just so weird talking to you. Cause I just, I, I love that finishing move section. Like, like just talking about, Oh yeah, you could just add this little bit to the eye lens here and it just makes the whole model pop. Oh. And now it's like hearing you talk about a person. Oh, <laughs> thanks man. I mean, that means a lot. These, I mean, this is my, my hobby journey and I'm using the air quotes you can't see on radio, but uh, oh, I'm watching. I'm, I'm you know, watching. but it, I do, it's like, I have zero natural talent when it comes to painting and like just not, but I've learned, you know, so we've got the, the products are better. The tutorials, you know, from people that, that are great are out there and it's accessible. Oh, the so stuff accessible. the white dwarf is accessible. And, yeah. but in some of the stuff is attainable. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to know your way around, you know, like how every aspect of the paintbrush or whatever, but you can just do these things. I mean, really five extra minutes to really get, I mean, you could spruce up a Sergeant and feel better. And then, and then sooner or later you're, you're then doing five figures and then you're doing the whole squad. And then, you know, then you get, you get stuff you're proud of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think painting, like it's so different than painting on a canvas. Like when you're painting with the miniature, you can just take advantage of all the miniatures, like curves and edges and all that. Like, if you know the technique on how to do it, it's really quite easy to paint 40k miniatures. I think I think anyone could do it if you watch those YouTube videos. <laughs> well, I, I'm serious. Don't look at me, Mark. <laughs> Not, <laughs> the judgment. The, like, I think anyone could do it. But I, I've mentioned this on on my show again. Is it's all about? I don't. There's no hobby shaming at all. Like you, you know, death. It's comparison is the death of happiness. You know, you've got to find ways to make yourself oh. happy with with what you're doing. And we just try to make it a little bit more accessible, you know, and, and it's coming from, you know, tournament players, you know, so you do, who are not known for their hobby prowess. I'll tell you that, you know, there's a, there's a perception out there, (laughs) (laughs) but what I, what I tell folks is that, you know, what you put on the table is a way to, 
you, before you even say one word, you're communicating your respect for the hobby and, and the game itself uh, to your opponent or, you know, to a player that you may encounter even in a game store, not, not even in a, a con- yeah, competition so, setting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, I've vowed to myself that I won't play with my own unpainted miniatures anymore because it is a respect thing. Like I don't, I'll play against other people's unfinished plastic, but for me, I want to have the best experience for me and for the other person. So part of that is, Painted the miniatures, so. Yeah, and it had the. I'm sorry, not trying to go off on everything I'm doing, but we just did some uh, some uh, a charity stream for the Nova Open Charitable Foundation with uh, yeah. uh, with Adam Camilleri, uh Joshua Diffie from Best Coast Pairings behind the scenes. Uh, we had our man Red Powell, who's on the show in the chat, you know, and and so we're 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 kind of all over the place doing some cool things, and so hopefully folks can check us out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I- do you help in Nova Open too, or are you just doing that charity event? Just at the lot? charity event. So, okay. uh, I mean, I'm kind of a fixture at a lot of the big tournaments and stuff because I like to go and play and hang out. It's, it's another yeah. thing. You see people, you see the same folks. That's one of the things I hope we get mm-hmm. back to eventually is uh, the you know, of the tournament players, you know, you start to encounter the same people from place to place. And the question I get a lot is, you know, is it worth going to these things, you know, if you've never been or don't know what to expect? I think the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, because you do, you, you, you have that instant connection with people. You have a lot more in common with folks than you might expect. And, you know, and you, and you get to live it out. You get to do this nerd thing that we all, we obviously love it. I mean, look, we're an hour deep into a podcast talking about fanfic and, <laughs> you know, and painting yeah. toy soldiers. Like, yeah, we all, we all love it. We're here. We're all here together. Uh, and so that's just got another natural extension, you know, uh, I mean, reaching out like people sending their stories or comments on YouTube or whatever. It's just do it get out there and engage yeah i think like one of the best pieces of advice you could i would probably ever give anyone is just whatever it is out there in 40k just be involved because i don't know like if you if you won't get involved like with what's around you i think like you just burn out really fast and 40k i think is meant to be shared oh yeah with other people yeah. and i think that the like the only way you're really going to get the entire benefit out of 40k is making sure you're sharing your hobby with other people and then and crushing your opponents on tabletop <laughs> what yeah. and hearing the lamentations of yes. the women and the yes. children yes. yes yeah uh but no even even just going to a, like i'm we've there's a couple tournaments and we've ne- i never played tourneys i'm not good enough for that stuff <laughs> but i do like to just go hang out and, and see the armies and, and yeah. look at the tables and and kind of just be like another 40k nerd in a group of 40k nerds mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and you totally is like it's a it can be a very like welcoming experience just to be like hey you like this i do too like yeah. how cool is that you know we don't have to have any kind of uh like contextual friendship beyond yeah. the fact that both of us just really are into 40k so well yeah. most people love to talk about their hobby right so if you how Absolutely. did you get how did you get that blue on that ultramarine they're gonna they're gonna tell you they're gonna be happy to tell you <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah everyone loves to share like what they're passionate about so yeah i think all of us have had this conversation too where you meet a new coworker or whatever and you're hanging out with them, kind of working, and then eventually one of you is like, hey, have you ever heard of 40K? And then both of <laughs> beam up, and you're like, yes! And now they're your best friend, you know? I think we've all kind of had those types of situations. Textbook so. story. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's always phrased the same way. Hey, have you ever uh, heard of 
Warhammer? 40k? <laughs> yeah, there's that, hes- yeah, that slight hesitation. hesitancy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, tournaments and stuff, you don't have to hesitate. You just dive right in. Mm-hmm. But so at Forge Narrative, we we focus a little bit on on like the competition aspect of it. But we get a lot of people write in and ask ask, you know, how to make whatever faction that they care about work. You know, they they're not they don't really they don't want to win a hundred percent of the games. They just want to be you know somewhat functional on the table. Yeah, and and the folks like uh, Red and and Adam are amazing at making those you know what we might consider the B tier and C tier codexes or list really work and be functional on the table. And so we do a lot of talking about that kind of, that kind of stuff. It's kind of funny. Uh, Mark has a saying that he said for many a year now. Oh yes. Um, and it's that, Oh crap. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it viable. There we go. That's it. All, you can make any army work. You just got to use it right. And maybe have a little luck too. That helps for sure. Hey, but, rolling yeah, sixes never hurts, you know, it yeah. never hurts, but it, it kind of just speaks to the fact that people can be too focused on what might be the strongest or like best cost effective unit. And I think a lot of it, like uh, for me, definitely, the best enjoyment is just coming out of like, what did I have fun with today? You know, maybe I want to play with a unit I haven't played yeah, with in well, a long time. Yeah, what was my time. all-star unit that did something crazy I didn't expect? Yeah, you know, that... absolutely. It, it's. I think that I think that's a way more beneficial for me um, focus than just trying to be like, all right, if I'm playing Necron, I'm only bringing destroyers. You know? <laughs> so. well, I mean, my philosophy. I mean, as part of this, I mean, this is maybe not true for everyone, but I think for most of us that we spend way more time like building our models, putting our models together. Some of us don't paint as much as we should. I know there's been a lot of judgment on the show, uh, (laughs) but, but we spend so we spend a lot more time, you know, in the presence and thinking about our models and what they're going to do than we actually do playing, you know, so you should be playing with things that you like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I yeah we get a tons of questions. It's like, uh, oh yeah, like what army should I start playing? It's like, man, that's a, that's a personal question. Like, <laughs> what do you like? Yeah, <laughs> the number of times the the in- email instantly goes to, hey, like I'm thinking of starting an army, and, and I've heard this is really good. Yeah, and you instantly just. It's so much better to turn the conversation away from that and into like, what do you like? You know, what are you going to be passionate about, even when those rules aren't good? <laughs> so very, very true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. So, uh, Paul, thank you. If you have anything else, now's the time to say. Um, oh, thank you all for having me. I really appreciated it. I mean, if you made it this far and you, you don't listen to our show, maybe check it out. And, uh, yeah, definitely, for sure. Go check them out. Like I said, I love that show. The only reason I stopped listening to it was, you know, <laughs> just didn't like that Paul that very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I've solved that. I've just come over here. That way you can't, you can't get away. <laughs> infiltrated <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show definitely go check out fortune narrative and the other one you do it's 40 k today. today yeah it's a fu- really fun sh- show and a fun group it's 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 a it's a bit of a of a, of a montage cast but it's all great people with a lot of enthusiasm for the hobby awesome. and yes yeah, it's, it's neat it's real neat yeah and like you said just 15 minutes which is nice because that's sometimes all people have in a day anyways for podcasts so that's perfect i love it yeah, it's just that little hit in your vein that you really needed. For... <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you so much, Paul, for joining us. That was awesome. Um, thank you to all of the people who submitted to the, their stories to us. Uh, we are working on your content. We will be getting it out to you. It's yeah. just a matter of time. So 
have patience. Yeah. So if you have a story you want to send to us, send it to lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com or just message us on Instagram. Whatever. Yeah, we'll hook you up. We'll point you in the right yeah. direction. But uh, remember to try to keep your stories no longer than 10 minutes read time. And uh, you know what? Spell checking exists. It's a thing. <laughs> Check it out. Um, but yeah, thanks for uh, submitting. Paul, thanks again. Listeners, I guess. And, thank uh, you. Eric, thank you. You're welcome. And we'll see you next time, guys. Have a great night. Bye. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.